Hello everyone, George here, one of the hosts of Frameskip Podcast. If this already sounds a little different to you, that's because it is. Uh, due to personal reasons for some of the hosts, the gang was not able to come together to record a show this week. Instead, the guys graciously gave me the okay to share a side project that I've been working on, something called Shortbox Summary. Now, Shortbox Summary is a comics podcast where I try to break down my personal favorite era of superhero comics. That's between like the early 2000s until about what I'd say is like a 2012-ish. And this is the very first episode dealing with what I think is a good starting on point for that era of comics. Uh, this episode covers a story called Chaos, part of the Avengers Disassembled crossover. And Chaos is by Brian Michael Bendis, David Finch, Danny Mickey, and Frank Darmada. Uh, joining me for this project is my good friend Fabio, who I talk about on Frameskip from time to time. I love that guy, and I am so glad you get to hear more of him as we cover what I think is the start of the modern Marvel Comics universe. If you'd like to follow the project, thank you. You can follow the Twitter account at PurpleBird616, or you can check out the website, shortboxsummary.com, uh, which I'll be updating more regularly as this project finally gets off the ground. Uh, just a heads up, there are a few swears that might have made their way into the final cut of this episode. So if that's something that turns you off, uh, I'm sorry. It's hard to talk about early 2000s Marvel without swearing just a little bit. Uh, but if comics aren't your thing, that's okay. And I'm sorry for what you're getting this week from the Frameskip feed. Frameskip will be back to its regularly scheduled video game antics, arguments, and generally chaotic good energy next week. Uh, until then, never forget... There's some good reading in them old books, and we will be back next week. Uh, from Austin, from Seth, from Elijah, from Coach, and from me, uh, thank you so much for listening to Frameskip. Really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoy the first episode of Shortbox Summary. Talk to you soon. internet and welcome to the inaugural episode of short box summary my name is george i'm one of your hosts joining me my plutonic soulmate fabio santana fabio say hi to everyone hi i'm fabio and i just found out our relationship was platonic that's depressing (laughs) (laughs) oh god fabio's been by the the little spoon to my soul for years and um, (laughs) we've recorded a bunch of stuff together in the past And I'm really excited for this new project because this is all about comics. Comics are probably my favorite art form, followed very closely by music videos. But (laughs) I think comic books are incredible and I want to talk about them. Fabio, what's your experience with comics? Let's let's get things started. I'm a comic noob. Um, I don't know a whole lot about comics. I've I've read them off and on. I've never kept up with them like too regularly i think i had like a short period of time through maybe like a year or two where i was just buying every single comic that i could um but yeah i I, i'm not very well versed on the comics george i i've watched the marvel movies obviously like the rest of the world but uh yeah i i'm more familiar with like x-men comics but even still like if you ask me an x-men related question i might not even be close so this is going to be helpful for me because i i don't I don't know a whole lot, and you're the seasoned expert. 
I'm the seasoned expert for a very specific era, and that's why I wanted to start here. Um, I've been reading comics since I was a little kid. I remember being obsessed with Star Wars, and then they stopped making Star Wars movies for a long time. <laughs> but they kept making Star Wars stories in comics, and I couldn't read them. But the pictures were really cool, and I knew who Luke Skywalker was, so that helped. Um, that was my foray into comics, was the Dark Empire. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Back when they sold them at grocery stores, it was a truly golden time, and we we didn't even know that it was the best of time back then. <laughs> yeah, I remember yeah. going into, like, little bodegas and stuff, and they would have, like, little racks, you know, with just, like, oh, a few comics racks. on it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, you're right. I haven't thought about that in a long time, but th- that's non-existent nowadays. Oh, it's so depressing. Um, Marvel There's a just... romance novel section, George. Oh, my God, yeah. We we get it, Danielle Steele. You know how to write <laughs> books about people smooching. We get it. Uh, good for her, though. That what a, what a long-storied career. <laughs> coming up with new nicknames for people's genitals. That's impressive. Um, yeah, man. Uh, so I... Um, I kind of just decided to get into comics when I was like 14. Like I've been reading them off and on since I was eight. You know, I'd see like a cool Wolverine comic and I'd ask my parents for money. I'd see a cool Spider-Man comic, ask my parents for money and do that. But I just committed to it when I was 14. I can't really say why. And I can't really place it. Like there was just something in me that I was like, maybe comics will be cool. And I thought they were really cool. And so one of the first big comic stories I read was called New Avengers. That was a big series at Marvel. I grabbed the second issue of that. I grabbed the first issue of The Ultimates 2. And I grabbed the first issue of Green Lantern. This was back in 2004. And I didn't know what the hell was going on. (laughs) I managed to track down other back issues. There was a comic book store like a half hour away from me. And then another one that was like a bigger, better selection of comics uh, an hour away from me. And through that and Wikipedia and just general curiosity, I managed to put together what the hell was going on. And we're here today to talk about Avengers Disassembled, which was the big event that happened just before I started reading comics. They kept referencing it in the books I was reading, and I had no idea what the hell it was. Thankfully, back then, there was a bookstore called Borders, and I found a copy of Avengers Disassembled. I still have it today, like a trade paperback collection. That's awesome. Still have it today, one of my favorite books I own. And it was a big story. And that is what we are here to talk about today. Yeah. Um, And that's super impressive that you were able to do that because like as somebody who's tried so many times, like I really have tried. Um, But what always happens to me when I start reading comics is that, uh, you know, it'll be like to fully understand this story, go back. It'll be like a small little subtext, subtext under the first few pages. And it'll be like, go back to issues this through this. And I would do that and then realize that there was a catalyst event that like caused that story to even happen in the first place. So it's like I always felt like I was going further back and back and never actually being able to know where to start. Um, So, yeah, I'm really glad to like have you kind of guided me through this as well, because I I've tried. And this is this definitely feels like a jumping off point where. I don't understand everything that's going on, but it's not foreign enough for me that I am confused as hell. Gotcha. Comics are kind of like smoking. You know how doctors always say the best day to quit smoking is today. Right. The best day to start reading comics is today. There's like no good place. And I thought (laughs) about where, 
<laughs> I thought about Fabi and I both smoke. Don't do it. Um, Fabi, <laughs> I thought about where to start things. And this is like the end of an era. And so you're asking, why don't we just start with the new era? And I think it's really important to understand the context going into the new era. And then I started thinking like, well, I mean, to really understand why this is such an impactful story, they should like people should read these issues. And then I just kept doing that. And I was like, really, you should start at Amazing Fantasy 15, the first appearance of Spider-Man. Like, that's 1962, <laughs> 63, like that. That's bad. That's bad. You can't tell people to do that. Like, right. oh, it gets really good at issue 500. Uh, just stick <laughs> with it, you know. Um, so I'm picking this issue, and we're going to talk about other issues that pertain to different stories in other episodes. But this is the end of an era for, like, the big traditional Avengers uh, mythos. And then the writer of this, Brian Michael Bendis, and the artists of this, David Finch, they would go on to sort of redefine Avengers again for the mid-2000s and set up what I think is an incredibly impressive chain of cause and effect in terms of storylines, where it's basically one big cohesive story told throughout all the ongoings at Marvel, generally, and all the events that happened there. But basically between 2004 and 2010, you could even argue into 2012. Oh, wow. So that's, okay. what, that's what I'm hoping to, to break apart. And Fabio, I might record episodes without you. You might even record episodes without me. I don't know. This is this is weird. This is wild. This is new. This is the first episode. I'm really excited. And yeah, can't um, wait to have an episode on Rorschach's jacket. Uh, well, that's the thing. I named it Shortbox <laughs> Summary, not Marvel Summary. So we can talk about <laughs> anything. Um, but I'm going to do my best to keep Marvel straight and just go like in order. Um, but then we're also definitely going to take breaks to talk about some cool stuff that happened before this. Like you said, you're a huge X-Men fan. Um, this story happens right at the end of one of the most iconic runs of X-Men called New X-Men by Grant Morrison and a bunch of artists. And I would be a bad host if I didn't put a gun to your head and make you read <laughs> the Grant Morrison episodes of X-Men. So, Which I've never done. Sure, yeah. We will for sure dive into those. And part of the reason we're doing this too is because digital distribution has made reading comics easier than it's ever been. I personally use an app called Hoopla, which is free with a library card. You just sync your account. And you're able to download so many books. I also have Marvel Unlimited. I have DC Universe Infinite, which is just subscription services. Basically, think Netflix for comics. And also, there's a whole bunch of illegal means to read comics, which uh, I'm not going <laughs> to tell you to not do that. because Those websites are so bad now. Uh, yeah, anything that ends in .io is uh, oh it's just God. it's just giving your computer every kind of digital herpes that has ever existed. Yeah, it's gotten so much worse uh, over the past few months, and I would not recommend that. Yeah, definitely try to get it like a Hoopla account or something yeah. since it's free. Hoopla's free, cannot recommend it enough, and everything's collected in nice, neat trade paperbacks just digitally, so super easy to navigate. And they have stuff uh, faster than like Marvel Unlimited. Yeah, it's basically whenever it's printed, not right. just... Uh, I think there's a three month delay between single issues on Marvel Unlimited. And I think there's a six month delay on DC Universe Infinite. Okay. But uh, as soon as things hit the street, they're usually on Hoopla. Which rules. Uh, they're, yeah. they're getting better with single issues for smaller publishers. I assume they're in some kind of negotiations with the bigger publishers just to get the issues up on there. But um, yeah, they got a lot of stuff. And I, again, I cannot recommend it enough. Do it before they stop doing this, because I feel like this is something that won't last for long. <laughs> like, oh, because, it's, too because good. it's so cool. Yeah, because yeah. it's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, Fabio, I don't know. They got a lot of uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics on Hoopla, and I feel like I haven't really read any of them. Me so either. I would I would love to go down a deep little deep little rabbit hole with you. Yeah, I would love that. I love the movies, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, I've always wanted to read the comics. They look much darker. And, and yeah, that's the thing, too, is like, 
comics are very uh, versatile. Like they're not as PG 13 as the movies have portrayed them. Um, There's a lot of really interesting, like adult themes that are explored. I think that are explored in better ways in the comics than in the movies. Um, So yeah, I'm excited to kind of jump into like some more of that stuff. Cause I am very, uh, very dumb, George. I don't know a lot about the comics. <laughs> oh, hush. That's not true. Uh, you're not dumb. You're just uh, uninformed, but we're going to change that. <laughs> uninformed sounds condescending. I didn't mean it that way. Unexposed. Misinformed. I probably no, have some bad facts about the Hulk in my in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. He wears maroon shorts. <laughs> Fabio. <laughs> Come on. Everyone knows it's purple. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's let's kick things off. Um, yeah. All right, so we're going to start with issue 500 of volume one of the Avengers. Technically, it's also issue 86 of volume three. Comic books are stupid. There's no good way to do it. Um, (laughs) There was Avengers that ran for, like, I think 492 issues. That was the first volume. And then the 90s happened. And then they rebooted the Avengers, and it was god-awful. And then they rebooted the Avengers 13 issues later. And they brought back Avengers volume three. And this is the end of that run. They rebranded the title with the original numbering of the series. So if you just Google Avengers 500, you will be reading the story that we are talking about or search for it on Hoopla, search for Avengers Disassembled, and let's kick things off. All right, so Fabio, this book opens with a bunch of Avengers just shooting the shit around the breakfast table, and they're all basically playing a game of who would you rather? Yeah, and so how did this... Because, like, that's what I... I'm not sure if this is, like, a common... uh like thing within comics or if it's just this era or if it's just an Avengers thing, but why are they so raunchy, George? I don't know. I think it was 2004. I think a lot of people were just horny on Maine. All the it was time. just the product of its time, huh? Yeah. They were just horny out loud. Hawkeye is the one specifically talking about, I think Madam mask. I can't remember exactly which supervillain he said he wanted to. It was Hydra. Madam Hydra. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he was just like, yeah, I, I assume she's really hot. And he's like, I got a thing for green chicks. And he just like looks over at She-Hulk. And he was always like the horniest Avenger. Like, these are basically just soap operas that, that come out every month. They're super reactionary. You know, like, they can pick up a story and then drop it as soon as they want, which right. is really cool. Uh, you know, you're not committing three years and hundreds of thousands of jobs, thousands of jobs, probably, uh, to, to make a movie. You've got maybe 15 people working on a book between marketing and production coloring all that stuff writing obviously um and yeah you could just like oh man that was weird and then you just drop it then they just never address anything ever again um <laughs> but they okay, are so all... we just we dropped the fact that that he's being a total pervert we uh he is he, he's being a pervert he's being a little horny out loud yeah, i like yeah, to yeah. think that these people just have like such extreme lives like you know how like the olympic village is just a whole bunch of athletes just just banging 24 7 no, I don't know what that is. Oh my god, the Olympic Village, like every Olympics, they, they just go through so many condoms because you get all these like incredibly fit, attractive people. What? Usually. Oh my god, they're just straight fucking all the time at Olympic. I Village. have to do some research after this. All right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I wish I That's could say I'll send you some links. The Olympics. Yeah. I love how the idea of like parents being like, "My kid made it to the Olympics," but they have no idea how fucking horny it is over there. <laughs> Like they have no idea what their kids are actually doing. Like, yeah, they're representing their country. Also, a lot, a lot of orgies. Yeah, man, <laughs> France really fucked over U.S. in handball, <laughs> and then later that night, the U.S. fucked back. <laughs> uh, so they're they're just they're having what appears to be a normal day, 
Uh, yeah. When all of a sudden this old Avenger, this guy named Jack of Hearts, recently deceased, is back on the front steps, uh, setting off all kind of proximity alarms. Uh, Scott Lang, Ant-Man, Paul Rudd in the MCU movies. Uh, he goes out to meet him because Jack of Hearts died while like trying to help save Scott Lang's daughter and successfully does. They really didn't like each other in the comics. Um, okay. And so Scott had been feeling guilty and he rushes out to see him. And then I think he just says, I'm sorry. And then he just explodes. Like his power is all about absorbing radiation. And he was constantly afraid that he would explode like a nuclear bomb uh, and something happened to him. Then he flew up into space and he did go off like a bomb. And now he has since returned and he blows up Avengers Mansion, which is like one of the most iconic locations in the Marvel comic universe. From there, we cut to the UN Assembly in New York, and uh, the Avengers are giving a speech with Tony Stark addressing the assembled nations of the world as an Avenger, an industrialist, <laughs> and as the U.S. Secretary of State, because that is what Tony Stark was doing at the time, which they is all uh, want to get into think politics. About. Yeah, <laughs> this was post 9-11, so... Um, I think they were trying to think of how they could uh, modernize and make the comics feel more contemporary and less sort of fantastical childish things. And so naturally you appoint him a cabinet position. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know about Jack Hart. Um, I had heard of, I I just, that was the first time I'd heard of him was reading this, this book. Um, And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now the whole waiting, just a ticking time bomb. Mm Mm-hmm that adds a lot of context to this, but yeah, Tony Stark, um, he's quite the guy, George. He has yeah, quite the a lot, outburst, a lot going on. Oh my God. Yeah. So he is ironically giving a speech on, uh, terrorism and how moving forward into the 21st century, uh, the UN and the Avengers together, the Avengers had become like part of the UN. Like there was the Avengers charter. And then there was the UN Avengers charter where they were basically like, a a task force, like a response team uh, that would answer to the United Nations. They wouldn't just be American, basically. They were stationed in New York, but they were welcome all over the world as part of that entity. Uh, Then Tony Stark just seems like he's on a bender, just on a wild one. Starts threatening the Latvarian uh, ambassador, and Latveria is where Dr. Doom is from. So that's why there's so much animosity towards that man in particular, because Dr. Doom just shows up like once every two years and just just fucking rains on everyone's parade, man. Like he is just, he is just bad news bears for most of the Marvel universe. Most of the time, I believe he's had a more heroic turn recently, Oh, weird. but uh, traditionally that guy is just bad news bears. Um, yeah. I have a couple questions about uh, this outburst that Tony has. Cause like, first off, how, how on brand is that outburst <laughs> for Tony? It was, so Tony, they don't really address this. They address this for like a scene in Iron Man 2 where he's like drunk in his armor. But Tony actually has like one of the more famous comic book stories called Demon in a Bottle. It's about him sort of dealing with alcoholism. And that was actually when he stepped down from being Iron Man and um, Rhodey took over and w- became like the new Iron uh, Man. Oh, okay. Um, and so machine, this... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but he did it as Iron Man, not as War Machine. And Got then he it. became became War Machine. They started operating uh, simultaneously. Um, so this is on brand for Drunk Stark, but he'd been sober for years at this point. So that's why it feels off brand. Don't they say drunks are usually more honest? Yeah, they do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, he like really loses his stuff. Because I mean, like, that's the thing is that 
this is a strange outburst for Tony, right? In this moment, like he shouldn't, yeah. he hasn't been drinking. It's revealed like he's not, he's not a drunk guy at the moment. He seems like he's just been going sober for a bit. But when he, like, when he finally, finally rush him off stage because he's like ready to kill the, <laughs> the yeah, ambassador. He's charging up a repulsor blast aimed at like <laughs> a, a, you know, a UN appointed official. Um, and and then. And then they finally get him off, but he yells at he yells at Hank, "Don't you have a wife to beat?" So, a, I don't know why he said that because I don't know the history behind that. But also, that seemed honest. So I'm going with <laughs> his threat also coming from a place in his heart, <laughs> like he yeah. really doesn't like them and is ready to just wipe the entire country off the map. Not just the leader, the entire civilian country of Latvia. So again, Barbarian. loaded history, Sorry. loaded history. Okay. They've been around. This is like 40 years, I think, almost to the day after the first Avengers comic came out. Close enough, you know, like around four decades of comics have come out. Uh, so the original Ant-Man in the comics was Hank Pym. He was a founding member of the Avengers, and he founded it with his then girlfriend, I believe, uh, Jana Van Dyne, who was a character called the Wasp. And she is like one of the most important characters in Avengers history. And that's why everyone was extremely confused when the first movie came out without her character i see and to understand her character it's basically what um oh my god what's her name uh the woman from lost who's in evangeline lily yes basically her character except like a little bit more go-go like she was like really big into fashion she was a fashion designer and uh hank had some demons and took it out on her one night um oh he yeah he like actually beat her um And you know how in the oh movies... Oh my god, that makes a lot more sense coming around <laughs> towards... Okay, alright, we'll get there. You know how in the movies, uh, Iron Man, Tony Stark, is responsible for creating Ultron, kind of? Yeah. In the comics, Hank Pym is. Right, right. Which Hank I did Pym know the... as like a random fun fact, but I had no... Cool. I don't know uh, why, <laughs> like, or how. Sure, no, for sure. Um, but yeah, and also an interesting little fun fact for those that might not know it, uh, Jarvis is a real human being. He's not a yeah. robot. <laughs> yeah. Created by Tony Stark. Yeah, that was another thing that at the time felt like a real, like, wow, you guys really just changed this because you could, huh? Um, <laughs> but we'll talk about that movie eventually. Okay. I would love to talk about all the movies. Yeah, uh, that would be fun. Even, even the non MCU ones. Like, uh, I think you and I might have to do a special where we go back and talk about, like, the original X Men, the original Blade movie, because that's, like, yeah. what kind of kicked off the, uh, the superhero gold rush for, for IP. Yeah, um, yeah. All right, my notes here. Um, he says he's not drunk. He just feels drunk. And Wanda confronts him. And she's super ominous and unsupportive. And I'm going to plant a little a little nut here, like a little seed here. I love that her face is obscured. And all you can really see is the horns from her cow when she That's a really good him. point. Yeah. Really enjoy that. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't think twice about it, you know, if you didn't know no, the ending of this. Yeah. And we're going to talk about all of this at the end, there's, there's going to be like a big summary where I give like a, a mini history lesson, but let's keep burning through the story. Um, we cut back to Avengers mansion and people are surveying the scene and what's called a white code goes out, which is the highest alert for the Avengers. I don't think it would ever existed before this. So that just shows you like, it's never good when you hear an alarm for the first time from yeah. like the most powerful people in the world. Like that's not great. Then people look up and uh, vision comes literally crashing back in an Avengers Quinjet, which is like the iconic, shuttle that they've been using forever um he just crashes into the ground and he just steps out and everyone's like dude what the fuck are you doing (laughs) (laughs) are you drunk um 
And he has a quote here. It's a long one, so bear with me. Uh, Vision says, I am sorry to inform you that I am no longer in control of the organisms that make up my body structure and that you are no longer in control of anything that we as a group held dear or what we as individuals held as important. Our time is over. I cannot explain to you in terms that any of you would understand why and how this has happened to us, for I'm only now beginning to comprehend where it is that we as a group have failed and why we are about to be punished. Do know, though, that this will seem as a betrayal to me. It is not I who brings this plague upon you. Do know that I feel an overwhelming shame for what now must. And then as he's saying that, his face melts. It just deteriorates, and he spits out five spheres that reconfigure into Ultrons, which Ultron is a major, major villain in the comics. He wasn't just like a one-off villain the way he was in the movies. Um, He just comes back. He's a recurring threat. And Ultron, much like in the movie, actually created Vision originally to infiltrate the Avengers and betray them, but he was moved by their humanity and their care for others and then ultimately defected, becoming a true Avenger. But it would seem here that uh, he was working for Ultron all along. (laughs) Yeah, this part's so cool. I just love the way his flesh is ripping apart. It's It's not flesh, but whatever the hell he's made out of. How good is David Finch's art in this? It's really good. Yeah. It's really, really good. I enjoy it a lot. This was the era of just like heavy inks. And they this is like when they first really got into like digital coloring that like looked mm. kind of good. And I say good in quotations because art's subjective. Uh, this is when I really liked it because it felt less cartoony and like a little bit more like I want to say like Xbox 360 era of video gaming. Like, <laughs> yeah. like everything was like oddly shiny. Yeah, and that was yeah, how yeah. you knew it was the future, you know, <laughs> some muddy but, textures, a little a yeah. little bit of sepia in the background. Yeah, you know, just taking shortcuts where you can. Yeah, yeah. Work smarter, not harder. Um, <laughs> there's a big ass fight. Uh, the Avengers win, uh, but She-Hulk just starts freaking the hell out. And she eventually rips the remains of Vision in half. And this is a full on Hulk rampage which is actually what brought the Avengers together in the very first place. In the very first issue of Avengers back in, I want to say 63 again. Um, it's Hulk who's being manipulated by Loki to cause destruction and the heroes band together to stop Hulk. And they realize that Loki's fighting. And then they decide after that, like we're too good as a team to stop being a team. So that is how the Avengers are formed. And we're getting sort of like similar shades of that in this centennial fifth centennial celebratory issue of the Avengers. Uh, From there, it cuts to two mouths talking in the dark, and I'm just going to read both their dialogues in slightly different voices. Is it over? No. There's more? Much more. They are many, and they have much to answer for. And that is the end of issue one. Um, I want to point out that this issue came out July 28th, and (laughs) issue 501 wouldn't come out until October. So there was a big wait. This was just a big-ass mic drop, and then they just sat on it for a couple months with people just going, what the hell's going on? Oh man. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was a delay there. Uh, George, how, um, how on brand is this for she Hulk? Cause from what I've always seen, like she always seems like she has her composure together. She does. She is considered like the good Hulk. She Hulk started because, um, I believe she needed a blood transfusion and the only match was Bruce Banner. Uh, it was like an emergency life or death situation. He stepped in to save her life, but gave her some of his gamma irradiated blood. Okay. And this is very, very off brand. There was a story that happened just before this called the search for she Hulk. I can't remember it too well, but like there might've been like a little sort of like hokey rage moment in that, but like okay. nothing like this. She never, never would it cross anyone's mind that she could rip a friend like the vision in half. That's beyond the pale. Okay. Okay. Got it. <clears throat> All right, 
Uh, it's going to go faster just because that issue was just most of the setup. Um, issue 501, this came out in October 2004. Uh, it opens with Tony in his suit. And I think this is like such a cool scene. Because, I, like, I really you, wish I didn't know what the how the how the, the the sausage got made here, George. Well, no, I just think it's really cool because, like, from the outside, it's like a super confined, super tight metal tin can that he's in, right? But then we see it from his perspective, and he's just like in a black room, like in his undies, like he's just chilling out in his boxers. You know, I thought he was doing like those leg dip things, you know, like he was like on his tippy toes working out like a weirdo in his undies. Kind of looked like it, right? But yeah. he's like on the he's like on the phone with people. He really sort of beat COVID era dress <laughs> dress code to uh to the punch there um but i love that perspective that from the outside it just it's looks like he's yeah. so confined and then on the inside it's like no there's actually infinite space in here he's it, he's in the tardis basically is that really what the hell that works um i don't think so uh we're gonna cover it's called uh, iron man extremis okay and that was like the warren ellis book that was okay, the basis cool. for iron man three six issues super fast and it's actually the artist who did that was this guy named Addy granov really really good I think he's Italian uh, futurist artist who was brought on to do the comic work for that story. And then he eventually became the concept artist for the Iron Man movie uh, in 2008. Okay. So cool. life imitating art, really cool. regurgitating back into, back into the arts, uh, really cool stuff. So this is opening with him. Uh, sorry, Tony uh, talking to the chief of staff for then president. And uh, he just gets fired by the chief of staff. He's like, Tony, do I even have to ask for your resignation? Like you, you know what you did, right, man? And then um, he's like, "I yeah, I mean, I got to go anyway. I got important stuff. Avengers alert. Fucking deuces. Bye, guy. He's not handling and, uh, it too well. No, he's not. Um, fuck up. <laughs> so from there, uh, he shows up to Avengers Mansion, and it's right after She-Hulk crushes Cap under a giant Humvee. And she, he, uh, sorry, she also knocks out Jan, the Wasp, who can shrink down, supersize, and shoot. I think it's called bioelectric shocks. Um, so... <laughs> She's unconscious. Cap is crushed under a car and Iron Man goes full speed and just knocks her ass out with one punch. He is the original one punch man um, and just lays her out. From there, the Avengers head to the hospital and that's where the, you really get to take stock of everything that's happened. What do you think so far, Fabio? Um, yeah, I, I, there's like a lot of, there's a few people I didn't recognize. Um, I don't know who the chick with the sword and the great Britain flag on her face is. Okay. Yeah. Let's, you know what? Let's jump into it. I have the list here. Um, so that woman with the union Jack on her face, that is Kelsey Lee. She is captain Britain and she is knocked unconscious. She is on like a heart monitor. I'm guessing. And she is a recent member of the Avengers as of like six months. Like she's brand new. She was like a single mother living in England. And then like the sword of Avalon start, came calling to her. It's very Arthurian. Okay. Um, I don't actually recommend that story because the writer Chuck Austin, I don't think he's very good. Okay. And he's another guy who's just like a super horny writer. So okay. mileage, mileage may vary. Some people might be super into that. I'm not here to kink shame. Um, yeah, maybe go read super- Conan comics instead. Yeah, Frank Frazetta. He he draws a beautiful, (laughs) beautiful man. Um, All right, so that was Captain Britain. She's knocked out. Uh, Jennifer Walter, or yeah, Jennifer Walters, uh, She-Hulk. She is in S.H.I.E.L.D. custody. Uh, Scott Lang is deceased. Vision uh, boxed up. His remains returned to Stark Industry. Uh, Probably. Yeah, Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp. She is in a coma. And Jack of Hearts has technically died twice. And so really quickly... Uh, Captain Britain represents like the most recent era of the Avengers comic. Cause she was like the newest character that was introduced and just became a member. 
Uh, Jennifer Walters, I'm reading into this that she represents like the founding member of the Hulk. Scott Lang representing the founding member of Ant-Man, Hank Pym, the wife beater himself. Uh, (laughs) Vision was long considered like the soul of the team because he would always like stick around through periods of like big change. Like Avengers would come and go, they'd leave the team. But usually more times than not, Vision would stick around. And he was kind of almost like the... uh, I don't want to say Dumbledore, but like the chaperone kind of okay. for, like, for like new members. So like he was really important in uh, in terms of roster. Uh, let's see. Janet Van Dyne, the Wasp. She was also a founding member. So she's messed up. And then Jack of Hearts. I don't understand that, though, George. You don't understand She's what? so small. Oh, in yeah. In the comic, but... if you look it up, in the comic, she has the tiniest little tubes in her nose. She's like the size of Tinkerbell on a pillow and like on a hospital bed. And she's got these little tiny. How did they find those tubes? That was kind of a, those that was from? a heartbreaking moment, though, right? Because her husband or ex-husband at this point, Hank Pym, came out and is just like, dude, what's really freaking me out is normally when you get hurt, you revert back to normal size. And you're just like a tiny little bug lady now. And it's really <laughs> hard to operate on little tiny bug ladies. So you got to wake up, man. Like it's it's like a really touching moment i thought um yeah like a, a scalpel would have like completely cut her in half oh my god like yeah the like, size of it oh her bed could have just been like a beer bottle cap was, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah really that's over, a bad situation really overkilled it with the bed they gave her um and then jack of hearts was there and he's technically died twice at this point okay and he represented the busiak era uh, that was like he's long said that it's like one of his favorite characters And the Busiek era was like issue one, I think, of like this volume of Avengers, so like 1998 all the way up through like issue 39 ish issue 40 ish. Like he was there for a couple years and sort of like made the Avengers lovable again because like they went through some bad times in the 90s. Like there was just horrible decisions made because they were trying to match the extreme energy of that era. And so instead of like talking about what's cool, they just sort of like fell victim to what other people thought was cool. And uh, they were not better comics because of it. But he brought it back, made it like a more traditional classic feel while still moving a team forward relatively. And he also told like a 17 part Kang story, which I haven't read it since high school, but it was like one of the coolest things I read as a kid. I thought that was awesome. Just like a huge sprawling epic like that. Yeah. Um, So those are like the metaphorical hits that the team has taken so far. I mean, they're the literal hits, but like I try to fill in like why their impact is, uh, is so greatly felt uh, from there. Uh, we cut to cap Falcon and Hawkeye. They're talking, trying to really figure out like, man, what the fuck just happened? Like we just got hit out of nowhere. Like we don't get hit this hard. We're the Avengers. Damn it. And then Hawkeye has <clears throat> um, what's supposed to be like, kind of like the summary and what will eventually become the summary of the day. He says, we don't have good and bad days. We have extraordinarily good days and we have extraordinarily bad days. This was an extraordinarily bad day. And you know what else? We had it coming. We're all about the short term. We're all about whatever's in front of us that second. And then we're on to the next thing. Now, Fabio, I know you've got uh, staunch political opinions, but I want you to think <laughs> I want you to think about these people as representations of some sort of like cathartic justice for people because I mean, yeah. they currently represent the state of, of the UN, like the super state that exists right. above every nation. But how do you feel about them sort of being all about the short term, whatever's in front of them that second. And then they're on to the next thing. Cause that's, that's two things. That's them talking about the way problems are dealt with in like relev- in uh, relation to their world. But that's also just the nature of comic books saying, one story right. into the next story. We got to come out every month. We got to keep churning out that content, bro. So did that line stick out to you by any chance? 
Um, it didn't stick out because of thinking of like the way comic writers probably are uh, are treated, or even you know artists and stuff like just the amount of time that they have to be able to churn out these comics without giving it the love and attention they may want. Sure. Um, so that's that's definitely interesting perspective. I found it really interesting because like the line be- just because these are all like alpha type mentality people, right? Like these, these heroes, like just imagine a bunch of military sergeants that you get from different, you know, military uh, units and you put them all together in a room to try to figure out how to work together. You know, there's a high chance that maybe if they're all at the same level, that there's going to be some type of headbutting, you know, like, and that's kind of what we're seeing here is like, they don't know how to work well together. (laughs) Like they, they can fight great together. They can really like defeat whatever comes at them, but ultimately they don't really know how to talk to each other. It seems like at least based on this comic, like there's a lot of, um, it's not really run democratically, right. In any way, like that's great. They're not equals. They're all above each other in their minds. Like, so I, I find it really interesting to see, like, I thought that Hawkeye's point was really good. Like, you know, the fact that, they're they never really get the time to like focus on the or take accountability for what they've done it's all just move on and you know i think that no time for reflection yeah yeah, and that 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 doesn't help them grow as people it's that's why they're arguing (laughs) and that's a great sort of meta comment on comics too because constantly you know everyone's just like why aren't these characters changing? And then other people are like, this isn't the character I remember, you know? So there's always tension between like what people say they want, what people think they want, and then what they actually want, you know? Right. Right. And I don't want to get too deep into uh, Einstein's theory of relativity here, but I'm pretty sure that equation proves that the past, the present and the future are all happening simultaneously. Right. And uh, I don't know how to explain to these fucking virgins out there that are complaining about comics that like, oh, that's classic Cap story that you love so much that feels just like classic <laughs> Cap. Like, still there, man. <laughs> like, yeah. still on your shelf or it's still on an illegal website that gave your computer <laughs> uh, bad things. It's still there. So don't don't get upset when uh, things actually move forward. Yeah. Uh, yeah. After that Hawkeye quote, Hank shows up and uh, basically forces Tony to tell everyone else what happened. They have no idea about what happened at the U.N., this is before the iPhone and before live tweeting and live streaming stuff. Uh, right. So they're finding out. Uh, and he's like, dude, I promise I haven't had a drink in so long. Falcon and Cap immediately believe him. And Hawkeye's a little like, I don't know, man. My dad was drunk and you're being a little little wobbly right now. <laughs> and Iron Man is so pissed off. He just flies away. He's like, man, after everything I've done for you fucks, like, okay, all right. I need a, I need a second. And he just takes off. Uh, they return to Avengers Mansion and every hero who's ever been an Avenger and is still alive is there answering the call. How many of these people do you recognize in the in the shot? Oh man, um, honestly, just a handful. Like I definitely saw my boy Moon Knight there. I know Daredevil, yep. um, but there are a lot of ex or a lot of Avengers that I've never seen before. And I'm guessing these are like a lot of the West Coast Avengers and you know from different groups, different eras, different countries, yeah. maybe. Yeah, let's see. Just uh, that guy up top in the speedo. That is, uh, that's Namor, the sub, submariner. He's kind of like Marvel's Aquaman, but just popped Aquaman. out of the harbor there. Yeah, he's half Showed Atlantean up. as he's wont to do. Uh, that robot-looking lady, that's Jocasta, who I believe was like 
I'm pretty sure she was like originally made by Ultron to be like his counterpart and like his his love interest almost. Sure, robots. And then she she rebelled too. Um, (laughs) That woman, um, that black woman with like the black star on her chest and the white costume, right dead center, right next to Moon Knight. That's uh, either Photon or Captain Marvel. I can't remember what she was going by at this time, but extremely powerful, extra universal threat. She is badass as hell. So there's all these people that just show up and they are just, it's supposed to be like the Greek gods. Like it's, it's like a complete pantheon, you know, incredible stuff. Just a beautiful two page splash by David Finch. Yeah, Great coloring cool. by, I believe it's Danny Mickey. So thank you to that team. Uh, I'm and pretty sure Batwoman is in the background somewhere. I think that's spider woman. Don't worry. We'll talk about her. She, be- <laughs> she becomes very important to Marvel comics. I'm really excited. If anyone listening knows, I, you can hear the grin on my face as I talk about spider woman. Um, oh no, there's somebody back there behind moon Knight That's absolutely wearing Batman's. Oh, uh, that's a, uh, what's, what's her name? That's a, uh, it's either that's wildcat or hellcat. That's okay. the, bl- that's the blonde chick on the Jessica Jones show. Oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And then right next to her is Quasar who again can like, break the universe in half if you really wanted to. That weird guy next to, uh, or behind Moon Knight to his left is Hercules. It's just everyone who's ever been on the team just showed up. Yeah. It was yeah. nice. Good, good, good little reunion. Uh, from but they rushed moved... off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Please get off stage as soon as possible. Um, so everyone who just showed up is being, this is uh, issue 502, which is November, 2004. Everyone who just showed up is being caught up on what happened. Nick Fury is there and tells him that Tony's been booted as secretary of state. And moments after that, the UN says they're ending the relationship with the Avengers, despite all the good they've done, which they do acknowledge. Um, Hawkeye immediately shoots back with all due respect. We never should have been involved with them in the first place. The yeah. bureaucracy of it all was strangling this team to death. We aren't politicians. We're superheroes. Right. And I think that that's like that's like the the whole thing that happened with Civil War, right, was like they wanted the registration. Um, some people wanted to registrate uh, to have a registration for for superheroes to, um, you know, to 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 kind of be part of the government, like their their hand. Right. And like a yeah. lot of people were completely against it. And so I think that that argument kind of comes into play here where it's like they never should have done that. <laughs> yeah. And it's pretty interesting foreshadowing because you're right. Um, this is this all takes place. I want to say about two years. I think Civil War starts in 2006. So this is eh, like a, a year and a half, maybe two years ish, somewhere in that window before Civil War actually kicks off. Right. But they've talked they've talked about, you know, like working with governments and how Avengers are basically like a world power without any sort of benefits of being a country. You know, they're just like a collection of weapons of mass destruction, which is right. a then very popular take on superheroes. Uh, really good sort of postmodern, postcolonial uh, critical theory, basically on superheroes by a lot of people over at Wildstorm. Um, I'd love to talk about that stuff someday. Um, but yeah, them getting the boot and uh, Falcon agrees that it was bullshit. Uh, for them to get kicked while they were down, which yep. is a nice moment for Falcon. Yeah. I, re- I really like that one. He's just like, yeah, it was the right thing to do, but there were shitbags about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Cap- Captain America just does the you know classic, like defend America no matter what. Like, we're, we're, we're good guys. It's okay. He's just like, no, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> he tries his best to like make light of it and like, you know, not not pin any, any point any fingers or pin it on the government or anything. 
one of my goals for this podcast is to make you a huge Captain America fan. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really excited. Cause I yeah, know I've never uh, really read much Captain America. So it's, I know the idea of Captain America is kind of problematic to just have like one person sort of like embody the, the nation and just like represents like, what about the bad parts of America? Do you represent those two? Because you kind of right. do if you, just, if you represent America. Um, right, right. So I'm excited to dive into those. Also, they're kind of like seventies neo-noir spy books. So like they're, they're super fun. Yeah, and I honestly, I think I think Iron Man's much more problematic anyway with his weapon sales. So like, you know, I, I think uh, that I think that Captain America may may not even be as bad as Tony Stark. <laughs> oh my god, dude! Yeah, you read Civil War, right? Yeah. Do you know what happens after Civil War? I'm not sure because I never read Civil War two or anything. Oh uh, no, Civil War two t- is like a 10 year anniversary event. Like that that oh. took, that was from like 2017, 2016 okay. or something. Uh, no, Tony Stark becomes a head of Shield after. Uh, after a civil war it's not what you want nope it's not um (laughs) all right let's jump back to the story uh all of a sudden uh alien spaceships show up out of nowhere and just start blasting fury is trying to get the helicarrier uh he flew in on to help out but they can't see anything for whatever reason it's an all-out war between the avengers and a kree warship um the kree uh they're the aliens as seen in captain marvel and a lot in uh guardians of the galaxy they are blue shaped uh they're generally super friendly to earth like a there's sort of like a little triad going on where it's avengers or sorry earth avengers basically uh the kree and then the scrolls and the kree and the scrolls are constantly fighting each other huge intergalactic war that spans centuries uh they absolutely hate each other and uh while the kree have been sort of hostile towards earth in the past uh, they're generally way chiller with people than the Skrulls are. So this seems like kind of a shock. Uh, big ass battle happens. They capture a Kree soldier and they ask what's going on. The Kree soldier responds. It was foretold by the Supreme Intelligence that this day would come. This is the end of the Avengers and the Kree have arrived to see it. So you will die by the hand of those you betrayed. This is the day. So it's like the seventh seal of Ultron being broken open. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like everyone's just saying all this. Everyone's saying all this shit about like, man, these guys like really had it coming. Uh, Even Hawkeye said, man, we did. We really had it coming. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe he shouldn't have, you know, mentioned the color of their skin, though. Like that was a little like I was on board with Hawkeye until he got a little racist towards the Kree boys. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I didn't even jot that down. (laughs) I was surprised. I was like, Hawkeye, you're impressing me. And then he says that. And I'm like, God. Well, yeah oh my god you went on a full journey because at first you're like why is hawkeye such a pervert and then he was yeah. like anti-establishment you're like oh, all right good on you purple purple man <laughs> but then <laughs> Sorry, he says not, some not the actual stuff. purple man that's a different villain we'll, we'll get into <laughs> god comics are great and terrible um <laughs> all right so fury comments of the kree have way advanced technology and they can just blow up new york and they should not be sending in ground troops but they are Nothing about this feels right to Nick Fury, who's usually the smartest person in the room besides Reed Richards, like smartest about like how to survive, not smartest about how to, you know, fly into space okay. on a ship. Yeah. Um, That's Reed Richards. But he's usually like two steps ahead of everyone. Uh, Nick Fury is. Uh, Clint shows up after restocking his arrows because, I mean, that's his superpowers. He's really good at, at bows and arrows. <laughs> and he promptly dies after sacrificing himself to blow up the warship. Uh, did that moment mean anything to you? I mean, honestly, after he's called them blue fucks, I was like, all right. (laughs) You don't know that. He could have called them blue shits. (laughs) Yeah, I always wonder that, George, is like when they have like all the uh, little symbols to represent like the swear words. Yeah. I don't get them sometimes. (laughs) 
<laughs> I have to I have to cycle through a few swear words to figure out what maybe they meant. In later comics, they actually started uh, just replacing it with like asterisks, like not like you know not ampersand yeah. question mark that's helpful at symbol. And sometimes there'll be like one letter on either side to like imply what the yeah. word is. Like they give it a little bit more like stage direction, which is nice. Yeah, yeah, that's that that is nice because right. I, I got questions about what words they're saying. <laughs> Uh, so after he blows up the warship, uh, the Avengers are ready to counterattack, and the crew are like, deuces, and they just take off. All of a sudden, they're gone. Everyone's super confused, and then Doctor Strange shows up, and he just goes, the magics are being abused, and Cap just goes, oh no. <laughs> I didn't read it like that in my mind, but yeah, <laughs> that is what he says. That's So the, the oh no is there because, like, uh, speaking of horny, man... So there was, I don't think there was a lot of editorial oversight going on with this event and like comics before, like they really sort of buttoned up after this and everything became like a lot more organized. Okay. Uh, Cause Cap was just, just fucking dating a million people. Really? Before this. Yeah. So like in one of his time, he had two ongoing books at the time. And in one of them, he was getting a little flirty, getting a little close with Scarlet Witch, but she was being a little weird and like, uh, I guess atypical, uncharacteristic of her normally. But she's okay. being really cool, and he's just like, wow, she's like such a cool chick. And he was just like, maybe there's something here. And then in another comic, he was like banging an ex-girlfriend. Um, and then flirting with like a second ex-girlfriend after after that. Like he, he was just he was getting around. He's again, messy. I'm not I'm not here to kink shame. Like that's not why no, we're doing but, this podcast. You know, let your exes die. <laughs> but I I <laughs> I think that's why I read it as, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> like because like in the back of his head, he's just like, oh shit, the thing I was afraid that could happen. This definitely happened. <laughs> um, so this cuts, this brings us to issue 503, the final issue of Avengers volume one or Avengers volume three. If you <laughs> want to look at it like that, this came out in December <laughs> of Oh four. And it opens with a flashback where Jan, the wasp, uh, thanks God that she isn't pregnant, but makes a shitty offhanded comment to Wanda referencing an old story where she had two kids, uh, twins that she materialized with magic. So it just opens with a, with a, uh, flashback and we talk about Jan and how she's banging Hawkeye and she was afraid that Hawkeye got her pregnant you know which is weird it's like the one time he did miss yeah that's an arrow joke that's, that's an accuracy that's, joke that's pretty good yeah thank you um and so that <laughs> references an old story where Wanda and Vision actually had kids and they had twins and um they shouldn't have been able to and it turns out that uh, Wanda used her magic to sort of materialize these these little babies and um, her mentor, sorry, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. Let's go back. Uh, cuts back to the present, and Doctor Strange is breaking everything down for the Avengers team, uh, who are so impossibly confused about what's happening. And then he finally asks, is there anyone the Avengers have dealt with who has this level of mystic power? Someone who could orchestrate this level of chaos? And then Cap actually has, like, tears running down his face at this point, which is... It's not great when you see the leader of your team, the 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 spirit that won World War Two. Not great when you see him cry. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a red flag. What do you think? It, I mean, because like he's obviously there's a lot more history behind his relationship with Wanda. I wasn't aware of all of that. Um, so, like, do you think that that was him realizing what what was going on? Like, how long did it take him to like finally? realize like no one's no it seems like no one cared yeah <laughs> no that's i mean that's a totally valid point uh this book was like i loved it i was 14 i yeah. didn't know any better like i said this is like one of the first marvel books i ever read so i just kind of took everything at face value 
Uh, this book was probably maligned more than it was celebrated when it came out. Okay. Like, I don't think people were super on board. And, like, I referenced the fact that he had, like, a little flirtation going on with Wanda. Uh, but more than that, I think he just sort of, like, sees her as, like, family, you know? Um, we'll talk about it okay. a little bit later, too. But, like, the Avengers started issue one, and then Cap shows up issue four. And then Wanda and her brother Quicksilver join the Avengers. And I want to say issue 16, maybe 15, like around there. Yeah. And uh, she's like one of the earliest Avengers. And it was super cool at the time because she was a mutant and she was like an ex-terrorist, technically. So like they just see it as super progressive. Um, And so I think that's why he's so upset is like, yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I could have been with this person. Sure. But it's also just like, man, this this woman is like my family. And he's like sort of like, you know, the end of the usual suspects putting together just exactly who Kaiser Sozia was, you know. Right, right. And a lot of people seem to be when after Doctor Strange asked that a lot of people are like pretty much in denial that it could ever be Wanda. Yeah. And so this cuts back to another flashback of Wanda confronting her men- mentor, Agatha Harkness, uh, who is on the show WandaVision. Oh, OK, um, she confronts her about uh, why people thought she had kids. She's never had kids, but like, why do people think I've had kids? And it turns out Agatha was the one who actually made her forget that she ever had kids. And so now, uh, after that flashback, which no one else is privy to see, but we, the reader, are, uh, the Avengers are all sort of uh, finger pointing at Wanda. Doctor Strange states that he delivered the children, and he had no idea that anything happened to them. He thought they were real. Um, as the Sorcerer Supreme, he finally admits uh, there's always been an uneasy structure to Maximoff's power. As a mutant, she was born with her powers over magic, her, quote, hex power. It wasn't earned through spirituality. It was given to her without understanding of its consequences. And since they know it's Wanda and she works with this thing called chaos magic, they think it can be reversed. And Strange is like, no, dude, they're super dead. Like, she used magic to kill your friends. It can't be undone with a spell just because she used magic. It's like, they're gone. Like, you need to accept that. Uh, Doctor Strange then says, um, they fill her in. Sorry, they fill in Doctor Strange. She's like, oh, yeah, recently she discovered this thing called chaos magic. It made her way more powerful. And it should be noted that this Avengers Disassembled is the name of the event, but this story arc is called Chaos. So oh, that okay. was like a little a little hint uh, given to people. Uh, Doctor Strange says, listen to me, this chaos magic, the source of her new, quote, reality-altering powers, I'm the master of the mystic arts, and I'm telling you there's no such thing as chaos magic. Uh, Iron Man comes back, he calls the events of the day terrorism, which I put in as a note for you, because I thought that would be something you'd <laughs> note about, like, oh yeah, so I guess everything bad that happens to you, just blame terrorists, okay. Right, right, yeah. yeah it's, it, felt, uh, it felt like a Fabio moment. <laughs> it's very, I've never, but you have. <laughs> Me, no way. Me, good man. Uh, Doctor Strange then begins to describe everything that's ever happened to Wanda. He wants them to forget who Wanda is, and he just explains her life story, basically. And ask if someone like that sounds like someone who could control the power she has. He says, drama, conflict, tragedy, they become excuses to change the world to fit the image that she has for it. Uh, From there, uh, they figured out where she is. Doctor Strange is able to trace the magic. And uh, he's the first one to confront her. And she is with Agatha. I believe she's also with Vision. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're looking at the page right now. Yeah, and I actually have a quick question about all of this because Doctor Strange is saying he delivered her babies, right? So he, yes. like, Doctor Strange believes that these children are real. But yeah. then shortly after, Beast mentions something about how um, how the children were conjured, basically, into existence through, through Wanda's yeah. will. So 
are those kids real? Did were there actual physical children that she gave birth to? Yes and no. And so I'm really excited because they actually talk about that in some follow up series. So like okay. there was there were real children. Okay. There was like but, actual physical children, but like were they real people? Is the is like the question? Weird. Okay. Um, interesting. Yeah. That's super so we, interesting. We see those kids, and they are just like viciously trying to protect her from Cap. Uh, we see Agatha Harkness there, alive and well, just sort of like acting as like a, a nanny almost. You know, she's like the weird, and she's a magician, so it's kind of like a Mary Poppins. It's great. Yeah, I did like the fact too that Doctor Strange is basically saying like you're blaming this thing that doesn't even exist when actually look at her life and how messed up it is. Like, yeah. like I, I think it's kind of like a little bit of a call to like mental health as well. Um, For sure. Because yeah. some people will blame the event and, you know, point fingers at everything. But like, if you don't realize where that source came from, like obviously there, there, there was, there was, there were, there was writing on the wall. It's just nobody cared enough to look at it, you know? Yeah, exactly. And maybe and that, that was even a bit of that guilt that Cap felt, you know? Yeah, I'm sure it is. No, you're right. And then Hawkeye just being like, we had a day like this coming. And it's yeah, yeah because they didn't check in on their own. Right. Um, so Cap confronts her for a couple reasons. Partly, I think it's because he's the most trusted member of the team. He's the one who, like, he was the only original, or not even original, he was the oldest serving member on the Avengers when she joined the Avengers. Everyone else left. It was literally just Hawkeye, Cap, and Quicksilver, who is Wanda's twin brother, and Wanda. So he was the one who welcomed her on the team and also like that little romance they had, that little tryst. Um, but like I said, there wasn't a lot of editorial oversight at this point because he's hooking up with a bunch of people. Um, <laughs> and so he's like, dude, you need to stop this. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, Red Skull shows up and just starts blasting Cap. Blasts him clear out of the building they're in. Uh, Cap regroups with the rest of the Avengers and the Avengers ask Wanda to stop. Uh, she does not oblige. And instead, she summons a whole bunch of people to help fight the team. And what I think is really interesting here, there's a big splash page. So that's what happened. I misunderstood this. She's using her reality altering powers to summon these heroes. Okay. what I think is super cool about this scene is that there's a mix of heroes with a questionable past, sorry, questionable past and just straight up villains, which I think is super cool. Like there's Hulk, who's often considered a menace as often as he's a hero. There's Rogue, who I think started off as a criminal. And then eventually became an X-Men. There's the Spider-Man clones. Like, are they really evil? Were they just in a bad situation? There was Tigra. Uh, I believe she started off as a criminal too. There was Ultron, who's like the bastard forgotten son, basically, of uh, of Hank Pym. And so it's just like, is he really angry at humanity? Is he just pissed at his dad? You know, like, was he just neglected? And then Red Skull, who's a Nazi, and there's like no defending that. He's just, stri- <laughs> he's just straight up supervillain. Uh, but no, I do that think that makes... makes- I do think that mix of heroes with just like misunderstood. I do think that's really interesting because it's like Wanda. She's like, I'm not the bad guy. Like, I think she's like sort of like subconsciously drawing on that, which I thought was really cool. Uh, Nobody can stop her. And then all of a sudden Doctor Strange shows up and just like snaps his fingers and and Wanda goes down like a fucking light. Um, Yeah, he says some fun words. Shut up. Oh, my God. Yeah, the the magic is so much fun to read in those books because I don't know. The art is so cool, too. (laughs) Oh, it's great. Yeah, Dave Finch. Uh. Really good. I actually got him to sign a whole bunch of my comics. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, he went to a uh, comic convention in Nashua, New Hampshire. Um, and my dad drove me down, like, I think my junior year of high school. And, <laughs> that's uh, great. Yeah, we just went on a day trip or overnight trip. Saw Shooter in theaters. That was pretty cool. Shooter. Back then, 
the, the Mark Wahlberg sniper movie. Oh, yes. Okay. I was yeah. confusing that with Cranked for some reason. I was like, that's oh, a really no, interesting movie to see as a teenager <laughs> with your dad. <laughs> um, after Wanda gets shut down, uh, Nick Fury finds Agatha Harkness and she's found dead in a chair near the near the window. So dead. It, oh, my God. Did you did you get psycho vibes? Like, didn't that feel like the mom from Psycho, like Norman Bates's mom? Yeah, and it, it, it kind of reminded me of that. And um, even like Friday the 13th uh when she oh, has yeah. like that when he has like in the second one he has like the shrine of his mom and it's just like this decrepit skull like just all mm-hmm. skin just rotted that's basically agatha in this in this panel basically yeah um so she's found dead uh magneto shows up just takes his daughter and then everyone just leaves yeah like, like that's the end of the comic it's just like well that sucks and they're just they just bounce <laughs> they're yeah. just out of there um, from there, uh, the next month in January of 2005, there was a book called Avengers Finale, and this was like a little coda to the series. And so I'm just going to burn through this quickly because we're getting a little long in the tooth, and we still got yeah, a lot yeah. of discussing to do. Also, it's a podcast. So you can pause and come back. We're not going to be offended. Um, <laughs> if you're listening at all, that's great. <laughs> that's, that's neat. Uh, so the Avengers Finale, uh, they reconvene at Avengers Mansion. Uh, they console Jan and Jen, uh, Jen She-Hulk. Should I just use their superhero names? Would that make it easier? Maybe. Okay. But you can, you uh, so, can use them interchangeably so we can all learn. Okay. Uh, they console the Wasp and She-Hulk. She-Hulk is not in her Hulk form right now because she feels so guilty about what has happened. Uh, so she's Beast, just dressed like a librarian or, you know, maybe she's like a lawyer, an assistant. Actually. Oh, she's okay. a lawyer, actually. There was well, a really good, really good series in like 2015 where a former lawyer, Charles Soule, who wrote like the Star Wars High Republic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wrote a series where, like, the first issue was, like, her dealing with, like, patent law and if someone, like, infringed on the repulsor tech from <laughs> from Stark and, and like, their supervillain stuff. Like, it was really interesting. It was like, wow, you're, like, the smartest person to ever write this book. No offense <laughs> to, uh, to previous writers. Um, so this this book was just, it was half sort of celebration of the Avengers and then other half, like, okay, so here's where we are right now. And so here's where we are right now. Tony, for whatever reason, is, uh, his secret identity is back. They don't really explain. I don't remember how he's able to convince people. It's in his tie-in, which was one of the better tie-ins for Avengers Disassembled, but none of them were particularly good. So I don't think of them very often. <laughs> um, but I think uh, someone goes around, I believe, and starts like killing people as like a rogue, like a rogue Iron Man armor, and like trying to frame Tony Stark. And then Tony Stark is seen outside of his armor, and his armor is working remotely to like defeat the guy who's killing people dressed as Iron Man. So I think with that, he's able to like gotcha and convince everyone that he is not in fact Iron Man. And then he just comes out and says uh, he can't rebuild Avengers Mansion or fund the Avengers anymore. Billions of dollars, thousands of jobs are lost. And so I like that he put that into perspective, saying it wasn't just about him. He has to do what's best for his company and the people who rely on him for for work. Yeah, and I, um, I honestly think that uh, that that's super interesting because like he made he made a very quick decision, right? Like yeah. to do this, he's like, look at look at how much I everyone has to suffer now. But like this was kind of his decision, and I found it kind of like strange that like I, I'm sure that the Avengers you know cost a shitload of money to fund, but I'm just sure. I'm just surprised that like his funds or his like way of funding it was so marginally thin 
that sure. like any major catastrophe could have done this. Like it did, it, it would happen in this book, but like this could have happened any time. Yeah, like, and that's <laughs> terrifying. That like he was on the thread like all the time to keep really just afloat. we're we're still this is like what this is May fourth, uh, still in the midst of the COVID pandemic. Feels familiar, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it just like shows how, how quickly things can fall apart. <laughs> yeah. It really doesn't take much. And yeah, that's that's what's going on here. Like, they didn't get a chance to vote on it. None of these rich sons of bitches could have been like, well, I got some influence. Like, nobody, nobody even got a chance to, like, argue it. Like, this is a done deal. Everything's sold. Everything's sealed up. Like, he's yeah. already sold it to be, like, a historical site, the Avengers Mansion. Like, it's yeah, done. He stripped it for parts. He closed all the tunnels. Um, yeah. After that, there's a really nice moment, I think, where Carol Danvers, uh, she's known as Warbird at the time in the comics, but she is Captain Marvel. Like, that's the woman from mm-hmm. the Captain Marvel movies. Yeah. Um, we'll get into her backstory, but she is, I think, Warbird at the time. She also went by, like, binary, I think, at one point, because she had, like, oscillating different energy powers. She's she's a she was a mess. Okay. Uh, until, yeah, I didn't know around, that she was that diverse. until around this era. Like okay. this is when they finally started like buckling down. They're like, we need to put a woman of prominence in the Avengers. Like we need to build our own Wonder Woman basically. So this is around the time the they started like putting an effort into it. Yeah. I see. Okay. Uh so she starts by saying she'll never forgive Wanda that she's been pushed to the brink too and uh she never snapped. And then uh She Hulk says she would have forgiven you. And I think that's like a really powerful moment because like I I genuinely do believe that. Um, and then and then she's like trying to argue. She's like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then Quicksilver pops up out of nowhere and like corrects yeah. her and shuts her the fuck up. Yeah. And it's just like I was in Greenland reading a book when all this happened. I was just I was just reading a book. It just <laughs> happened. And he, he's just like he's just beside himself. Like he is so grieved. This and, was the uh, most Jared Leto moment. This was like, <laughs> <laughs> this was like right as COVID hit, and like two weeks after lockdown, Jared Leto was like, "Wait, what? Sorry, I was on a retreat in the oh my in the god, desert. that is that is perfect. <laughs> that is so perfect." <laughs> uh, so they ask Quicksilver if they know where she is. Um, he does know where she is. Um. <laughs> She is with her father, Magneto, and Xavier. They are on an island called Genosha, which used to be the mutant capital of the world. There was, Mm -hmm. like, I think 16 million mutants, 17 million mutants living there. And then they had a real fucking bad day, too. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Xavier is trying to rebuild her mind. Professor X from the X-Men, he's a really powerful telepath and psychic. He's trying to build her back up. Uh, But Quicksilver acknowledges that, like, once she realizes what she's done, she won't be able to recover from this. Right. Like you guys were her family. Um, then after this, it's just dominoes. Um, first, She-Hulk announces that she's leaving the Avengers. Then Hank, or uh, Yellow Jacket, as he's known in the comics at this time. Uh, then Wasp. Then Falcon. Then Captain Britain. And then um, Carol asks, we did good things, right? I mean, we did do something good. I just need to know it was worth it. And then from here, we get a series of slash pages that sort of celebrate the highlights of the Avengers. And so I want to talk about these with you in order. Uh, The very first one was Avengers Forming. And this was a picture of like the Hulk, Thor, Ant-Man, the Wasp, and Iron Man. And this is from Avengers number one. Oh, okay. So how familiar are you with those characters, I guess, outside of 
the big ones like did you know yeah, Hulk they, was it was an original Avenger did you have an idea that Ant-Man and Wasp were original Avengers no I I, I wasn't I'm not really super familiar with Avengers to be honest like the movies okay. were the biggest insight into the Avengers that I'd had I'd never read I think I read some of the Marvel Now stuff after they rebooted but I didn't ever read any Avengers before that this is my first Avenger comic outside of Marvel Now gotcha and Marvel Which Now I didn't even like <laughs> very much oh, at really? the time it, I mean I just I think I was just lost at the time, sure. I just was reading a bunch of the new comics, and I think I latched on to like all new X Men and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. Um, Marvel now was like purposely trying to be different, and I, right. I really respect. I really respect it for that. I think the era right before Marvel now was probably like top tier Marvel. Um, it was a lovely time to jump in. Um, I think that that was a really good. Pl- I'm getting off track, but that was a really good place to jump in. Um. I think I just got distracted with other books coming out at the time. No, for sure, man. Yeah. Plus, there's 10,000 books coming out a month, and that doesn't right. account for <laughs> albums or movies or TV shows. Like, exactly. it's hard to keep up with everything. And that's why yeah. that's part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast. It's just like, all right, so like you're walking somewhere, you got 15 minutes, learn a little bit. Like, yeah, make it easier for you. Um, so, after that, Avengers were the ones who found Captain America. They found him in issue four. He was not a founding member of the Avengers. Yeah, I didn't know that at all. Um, is this panel, is that like, the that can't be the original art, right? That is not. I believe that's by Northern California's own Derek Robertson, uh, okay. known for like the uh, the boys and um, oh, Transmetropolitan. Okay. All these splash pages are done by different artists. They were just like little um, two-page splashes to celebrate a different era. I see. Okay, that makes sense now. I thought these yeah. were all for original. Got it. Um, on the next page, we see images from the Kree Skrull War, and that was from Avengers eighty nine to ninety seven. Um, I think we might be heading there, honestly, in the uh, in the comics. But okay. I don't know how interesting. Or sorry, in the movies. Um, but I don't know how interesting that's going to be after Thanos. Like that's that was like you know pretty top tier storytelling and pretty big stakes. Right, right. And this isn't like Galactus or anything, right? No, it's not. Yeah, he so. showed up in later scroll stories. Comics okay. are a mess, man. It is impossible <laughs> to keep everything straight. Um, after that, we get a really nice painted splash page. I believe that's I David that. Mack. Yeah, that's such a <clears> that splash page. Art. Yeah. One of my favorite artists. Um, I think he follows me on Twitter. That guy's really cool. And it's Wanda marrying the Vision, which was in Giant Size Avengers number four. So not even part of the main series. After that was the Korvac saga. Have you ever heard of it? No, that's Never. amazing. Because it's considered one of the most important, biggest Avenger stories. And can I be completely honest with you? Yes. I've never read it because it seems so oh, boring okay. from the outside. <laughs> um, I mean, it's just like, it's just a dude. Like the enemy that they're fighting is just like, it's just a big sun dude. Like yeah, he doesn't of, look very cool. He looks very like generic white dude. Lots of power, I guess. Yeah, sure. Look cooler. Bud. <laughs> You're a villain. After that, uh, they cover Under Siege. Or actually, I skipped one because I couldn't find the source material for it. Where you see super cartoony art where Captain Marvel yeah. or Marvel yeah, yeah. takes out Thanos. That is Michael Avon Oming. He's a really good artist. I couldn't find the source material for this because it turns out if you search Avengers finale battle Thanos Captain Marvel, you just get the scene from the movie. Oh, uh, okay. no matter how much stuff you add. So I couldn't do research for that part. Yeah. So I apologize no, for coming up fine. short there. <clears throat> Pardon me. After that, Avengers Under Siege. This was in Avengers 270 to 277. And this was like the Avengers sort of getting their asses handed to them. This was all the villains in the Marvel Universe were like, um, so 
Doc Ock, you lose to Spider-Man every time you fight him, right? And he's like, yeah, man, every time. It's like, all right, cool. How about you fight uh, Iron Man this time? And so they just like mix up, uh... <clears throat> mix up who they go after. They took over Avengers Mansion. I believe Jarvis was kidnapped. And then finally, Ultron Unlimited. Sorry, I was losing losing my voice there. Oh, you're good. Not drinking my tea fast enough. <laughs> Uh, after that was Ultron Unlimited, and that was from the most recent volume of Avengers, 19 to 22, and that was a big-ass story where I'm pretty sure Ultron killed, like, th- like dozens, thousands of people. Oh, like, killed, like, he, like, basically killed an entire country in, like, Eastern okay. Europe. He committed mass genocide. Um, so that was them just talking about, like, some of the bigger stories throughout their career. Uh, Then Cap says, the Avengers have been a part of my life since the very moment I woke up to this new world. And even with all the drama and tragedy that has always surrounded us, it never occurred to me that it could ever end. I never thought it would. They then toast to all the major deaths over the history of the team. Um, There's a bunch of names I'm sure you don't recognize, like Dr. Wizard. Yeah, Wizard, Gilgamesh. (laughs) In case anybody heard it wrong, it's not Wizard. It's Wizard. Yeah, like I got to go take a big Wizard. Wizard. Yeah. Sorry, my, my New England fell out of me for a second. <laughs> uh, touchingly, uh, Warbird, Carol Danvers, uh, even included Wanda in the toast to everyone who passed away. Yeah. And um, they go outside and there's a group of people, large group of people holding a candlelight vigil to support the Avengers. And this is the end of an era. Except it's not because I'm pretty sure like a week later, new Avengers number one comes out (laughs) and it does everything the same except completely different. (laughs) And so that is the end of the story we're going to talk about. Um, Fabio, what did you think of Avengers Disassembled? I thought it was really interesting. Um, I I've read other stories where Wanda just fucks shit up. And so I wasn't expecting it to go in that direction. I was kind of hoping that it was like something new that I didn't. I've never heard of before because like it's just because the very few comics that I've read it's like oh turns out Wanda was just messing with everyone's head and like (laughs) that's I was just kind of hoping it was something else but I did have like some questions about it because I don't understand um like why Wanda wanted people to suffer in the way that they did like why why did she kill Ant-Man or was it or like why did she try to blow up the Avengers Tower uh, or a building, I guess, mansion. Um, like, just why did she make certain choices? Why did she have Vision show up and drop a bunch of Ultrons? Like, and make Vision give out that lengthy speech of y'all had it coming? Like, right. what, was it just misdirection? <laughs> or was this just her out of control? And yeah, she, why'd she give him such a Hamlet moment? You right, know? <laughs> yeah, he, um, he made a good point. So, like, what was the purpose of all of that? It's really interesting because actually I'm pretty sure Beast brings that up in Avengers finale. Like he's just like, was this the full plan? Like, did everything go according to her? Was it random? Did she just set like all these events into motion and they just play out without her really thinking about it? Yeah, and there's Dr. really no closure. No, there's not. Um, there will be eventually. There will okay. be closure. I promise there will be. But okay. not, not in this story. Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, as long as we're getting there. Yeah, we are getting there. It is okay. a slow burn, the early 2000s Marvel universe. Um, so, like I said earlier, the Avengers first volume um, lost to the 90s. Like, it just became too extreme for its own good. 
Avengers Volume 2 really lost to the 90s, way too <laughs> extreme for its own good. Avengers Volume 3 was like this incredible return to like classic big picture stories. Kurt Busiek and George Perez had a very long run. Uh, super, super fun stuff. Uh, Jeff Johns, who I think is getting some bad press right now for things he may or may not have crappily told Ray Fisher on the set of Justice League. Ah, uh, this is, that guy. This is some of the only Marvel work he did before signing exclusively with DC. But he actually had a really good run, too. Um, and then Chuck Austin did it. Again, I don't want to like dunk on writers. Like I'm not going to say he's a bad writer. I'm just going to say I didn't like it. Um, okay. But not to... Uh, not That's to, fine. Yeah, not to bash on him. I mean, he's still cranking out books today. Like it's, you know, he's still a successful author. It's just not Mustees. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then shortly after, uh, this was Bendis's first story on the Avengers, and he just completely blows them up. And I think that's what pissed people off so much. So uh... Bendis, as a writer, he was really big in the indie scene, and everyone loved him there. Like he was like Kevin Smith, except I guess not Kevin Smith. I guess he was like Tarantino of like the indie comic scene. Okay. And so he got really popular and like he always talked about how his two favorite superheroes were Spider-Man and Superman. And so he started doing work for D or sorry for Marvel. And uh, he actually had one of the uh, Daredevil runs that is like considered one of the best of all time. Um, arguably better than Frank Miller on the character. Mileage varies. Um, <laughs> and I know you're a big Daredevil fan, at least of like the Netflix show. Yeah, and I, I like I've read a few uh, a few different runs of Daredevil. Um, I really liked. I think one of my favorites is still, and I don't even know if this is like a, a popular or unpopular opinion, but I really like Kevin Smith's run on Daredevil. Interesting. Yeah, I, well, I talks, loved that series. He talks about like a crisis of faith, which uh, right struck home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, God, it's such a good series, and I love the artwork for it as well. Uh, yeah, that was Joe Casada, who eventually became the editor in chief of Marvel and like the oh, chief creative okay. officer of Marvel. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, Marvel was going bankrupt in the late '90s, and then they had to like pull out all the stops and uh, like really turn things around. And they started a new imprint called Marvel Knights, which was like grounded, more realistic, yeah, less bombastic. They just sort of like had a certain vibe and mood. It was like a very curated line of talent and characters that they worked on. Okay, and then that turned them around. Um. Let's see from there. I just think it's perfect that like his first issues are like an anniversary issue that's supposed to celebrate the Avengers. And instead he just smashes them to pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, one thing that I really want to talk about just super briefly is uh, globalization, which was like kind of a super popular movement um, specifically after the cold war. Um, after that ended, I want to say it was at 92, 93, 91, yeah, I think 91. around there. Yeah. And so globalization is an interdependence of different countries for technological, economic, cultural advancements brought about uh, by a spirit of cooperation. And I think the basic idea was that winners win more. And in theory, the losers lose less. Um, yeah, like I said, came about after the Cold War and a, a renewed interest in cooperative growth. And like this is when the World Trade Organization happened in like 1995. And then like the euro became the international currency of the EU in 1999. Mm -hmm. But there was just and like everyone globally was working on Y2K to prevent that from being like an actual <laughs> technological meltdown. Yeah. And so I think that energy sort of like carried into the books where they did become agents of the UN. And then everything Bendis did basically undid everything going back to like 1995, 1996 on the event. Okay. And so he immediately removed them from the UN, got rid of the characters he didn't like by killing them and also just having them like leave the team. Okay. Um, 
And I think it's just like really interesting that this story sort of like removed them from global problems that were supposed to be like realistic. Like they were no longer dealing with like terrorists, which had right. kind of been a focus of Marvel post 9-11. And uh, it refocused them on domestic issues, um, but like domestic Marvel issues, not necessarily domestic U.S. issues. Like it wasn't right. like a commentary as much as like, oh, well, yeah, we're dealing with Hydra, which is the same thing as I'm dealing with terrorists, but it, it was at least like marvel fied you know like it wasn't like actual terrorists hunting down which captain america did in a bunch of comics where he was hunting right. down like actual <laughs> like al-qaeda style terrorists um yeah yeah and i thought it was really interesting because this is when the comics uh became increasingly meta-analytic and it became telling stories about their stories which i thought was really interesting and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later as we get some more books under our belt um right and i i think that like that that's interesting because like I've definitely read those comics where, I mean, you could just have Spider-Man fighting Doc Ock and, you know, it's not necessarily their fight, but maybe the subtext, you know, yeah. maybe it's what the, the writer's trying to convey. Whereas maybe some of these other ones were just like, they're killing the bad guys. We did it. That's the story. The story is we're killing the bad guys. <laughs> like, yeah. And I, I like, I like that. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a bit of a duality there with it, but um we're gonna it's a way to get away from yeah that type of militarization and, and just focus on actual storytelling oh don't worry the story's gonna lean back into that don't worry. Oh, okay. civil, war. civil war uh <laughs> that, that's that's a big ass metaphor yeah, just going to yeah. just punch you in the face right um, yeah and for the purpose of this podcast we're about to wrap up i know we're getting long in the tooth um but i'm going to start referring to certain things as we go forward and so okay. i'm going to refer to art uh or the comics as art and I'm going to refer to the movies as life. Um, just, you know, the expression about like life imitating art, art imitating life. Right. And the reason I'm doing that is because there's the comic mythology, which is like, I guess, the true mythology. But then there's the mythology of the movies, which is what everyone knows. And so if everyone understands the movies and accepts that as truth, then like I think that has to be like the superseding truth. And it's interesting because the movies take so much from the comics. And then the, they do their own things, which are then later reflected back in the comics, like certain mm -hmm. things. Absolutely. Like the X-Men movie came out and then all of a sudden in the X-Men comic, they were wearing like black leather. Jumpsuits, right. You know, <laughs> and like Wolverine wasn't dressed as like a yellow turd anymore. Yeah. You know? um, <laughs> but then as we were talking about earlier, where the people who complain about progress and change, um, they demand that the yellow suit comes back. So it's always like it, comics are just like a living, breathing organism. Yeah. And like like we said earlier, or like I said earlier, because I'm you know, a little loopy from getting my second vaccine shot today. Uh, <laughs> the past, the present and the future are all happening at once. So no story is more valid than the other. We are just picking out a specific slice of Marvel and telling you how it happened from A to B to C and so forth. So yeah, whatever you have ingrained in your brain, I guess, suspend your uh, disbelief and just accept it as something different. as <laughs> a different variation yeah. of the thing you already know. And yeah, it's buddy. not that bad. Jarvis is a people. He's got a dick deal with it <laughs> he makes the scarlet witch all pregnant and stuff <laughs> all right um so this concludes the first episode uh fabio do you have any final thoughts or did we already cover final thoughts with uh, no yeah we're good vi visions wiener okay yeah. no not vision uh jarvis is what oh I jarvis saying. is wiener sorry jarvis sorry, is sorry. a man oh J a jarvis jarvis hangs brain all the yeah. time man. <laughs> just slinging <laughs> now he's got a lot more free time that he doesn't have to like dust up the bookshelf at a right he's like thank god i could just chill out in my studio apartment since tony fired me <laughs> yeah 
All right. So you can find a complete reading list that I have made at a website called shortboxsummary.com. That is where this podcast is going to live from now on. And that is the first part of How to Read a Universe. Uh, that is the beginning opening salvo for what I'm considering the meta narrative of Avengers going forward from 2004 to, like I said, around 2010, 2012. We'll see what we do. There's a I like list. That. How to Read a Universe. That's, oh, thanks, man. that's really nice. Uh, the next section I have is let's go back because I said so. And that talks about everything that sort of like sets up the status quo before Avengers disassembled. And Fabio, I'll be honest. I don't really want to cover a lot of these. Um, I think some, <laughs> well, like this is just like how to set stuff up. But like, I would love to talk about Daredevil with you. Like, I think that'd be super fun. Yeah. And I think new X-Men, but like, I, I'm not saying we necessarily have to do this like in order. Um, right. I'm a right, little right. I'm more open to change. The original intent of this show is to be like, an actual summary of everything, but we're just going to talk about the bigger stuff, the more interesting stuff, the stuff we are curious about. Yeah. And I think it'll be so. helpful. Cause like we, we can just pull like, and with George's help, obviously, cause he knows a lot more of where the story arcs lie, but like we can just pull specific stories. And the nice thing is that you can read along and you can also um, come back and listen to this episode when you're done reading it, because then we have reasons or, you know, explanations of, of things that you may not understand. Like I had a bunch of questions for George and now a lot of this makes sense now. So, yeah. um, you know, get through the comic, read through them. And with George's help, we'll all be able to understand comics a little better. Yeah. Um, we actually got some questions from the audience before our first episode. Oh, even. We've got two questions. Yes, I don't want to cover them now because I think they're super loaded. Okay. And we've been going for an hour and a half. So we're going to record a special episode of just answering these questions. I'm very excited to jump into that. So you can listen to that next. Um, yeah, we'll announce the next book we're reading in this story on Twitter. You can follow Shortbox Summary at PurpleBird616. That is where we'll be sending out blasts uh, for all the relevant info you'll need. And thank you so much for listening. Fabio, thank you so much for joining me, man. We've been thank talking you. about this for a while. I'm glad we're finally doing it. Yeah. No, this is this has been really nice. I, I, I've always wanted a reason or a way to like have somebody. You don't want to ask people like, hey, can you tell me exactly how to do this thing? <laughs> but like, so this is a nice way to have this done for me without being without having to beg somebody to teach me how to read comics. But that's interesting, though, because I feel like people are always more inclined to do that when they could just Google it. You know, I feel like, bad. I'm not sure, going to Google yeah. a story. I'd rather read Fabio, it. It's a goddamn pandemic, man. I got nothing <laughs> else to do. I got nowhere else to go. Uh, seriously. No, I just got a new job and it's work from home remote. I'm never leaving the house again unless I absolutely have to. It's going to yeah, be fantastic. That's yeah. my plan. Don't leave your house. Stay Don't home. Don't leave your house. Yeah, It's fine. You have things yeah. there. Oh my God. Everyone delivers. It's going to be great. Yeah. You don't live on an island off the coast of Maine. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. <laughs> um... All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to the very first episode of Shortbox Summary, and we will talk to you soon. Bye.